tell me I need to keep this in front of my mouth even though you're not hearing my voice projected. I guess they're recording, and so that's why I need to do this. <clears throat> so my name is Anne, and I'm a recovering compulsive overeater, and I have been imperfectly abstinent for 34 years. When I saw the title of this particular marathon, The Solution is in the Steps, I knew that's what I wanted to talk about. Because for me, those 12 steps saved my life. And as I think, as I was thinking about the 12 steps, you know, starting right with the first one, made a decision, um, admitted, good grief, admitted that I was a compulsive overeater and that my life was unmanageable. There was absolutely no doubt in my mind. I didn't have to struggle with the first step. I knew that I was a compulsive overeater and that I needed help. And the second step came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. Well, I knew I was insane, and I knew I had a higher power. And I, But what happened was all the tools that I had gathered over the years stopped working. And um, I had been uh, dieting all my life. I was put on my first diet. Well... I was five years old. I have this picture in my mind. I was five years old. I was standing on the doctor's table in my underpants, and he pulled my panties out, and he said, boy, you've got a big tummy. We've got to do something about that. Five years old. So in a sense, I think my mother tried to put me on a diet then, and that's what created the roller coaster ride that I got on. Now, So over my first 49 years, I was either on a diet losing weight or off a diet gaining weight. I knew how to lose weight. I had a very good doctor that helped me. He had me keep track of everything I put in my mouth and write down the calories, and I would lose weight. And then as soon as I stopped the diet, I'd be putting the weight back on again. I believe that in the first 49 years of my life, I put on and took off at least 1,000 pounds, and I'm not exaggerating. When I decided to come to Overeaters Anonymous, I knew that I couldn't diet anymore. And the last, and I tried every diet in the book, and the last one I was on was the Beverly Hills diet. Has anybody heard of the Beverly Hills diet? You ate nothing but fruit. It was wild. But what happened is I came to realize that I only had two choices, and I was scared. The two choices I had were to eat everything in sight or starve. I, I could get just as high not eating as I could eating everything in sight. So I knew, I knew I had to do something, and, but I didn't know what. And one day my daughter discovered that she used alcohol and drugs and found AA, and she called me and she said, Mom, I use alcohol and drugs to deal with life. You use food. And there's an organization that can help you, Overheaters Anonymous. 
And so I, I went on in the phone book, because in that time I didn't have a computer. You didn't go online. I went to the phone book. I found the nearest uh, phone number for Overeaters Anonymous, and the very first meeting I went to was a Wednesday night on Meridian in San Jose at the Prince of Peace Church, I think. It's or the Church of the Good Shepherd. I forget the name, but it's on Meridian. It was a Wednesday night. It was I can still see the room. It was a very small room. It was a Sunday school room, and it was painted green, and there were only about three or four people there. I did not hear my story. Did not hear my story. But I saw the 12 steps on the wall, and I knew there was hope. You see, I'd always been a very spiritual woman. I can't tell you when or how or who introduced me to the concept of God, but I knew there was a God, and I had gotten, I'd had lots of help with God in my lifetime. But um, I, um, the tools that I had stopped working. I can remember having a fight with my husband, getting in the car, having tapes that I could, or yeah, it was tapes in those days. You didn't have CDs. And I could listen to my tapes or I could read my Bible or, you know, and spiritually then I could get calmed down and I'd be fine again. But none of that was working. I was miserable. I'd acquired everything the world said I needed to be happy. I could, I could go anywhere, do anything, buy anything, be anything. And I didn't know who I was or what I wanted in life. And my daughter also told me that she wanted me to go to Al-Anon. Uh, so that I could be a support to her. And it was in Al-Anon that I discovered I didn't know who I was. You know, if somebody asked me to go to the movies, I'd say, what movie do you want to go to? I would never choose because I, I was happy if you were happy. And so I did things to make you happy so that I could feel good about who I was. And, um, but anyway, I saw those 12 steps, um, and I knew that there was hope again. And so I dug right in, and I started working the steps. I gave service right away. I started off making coffee. In those days, every meeting, they served coffee, and so they had to have somebody to make it. I sold literature. I eventually became a secretary. I did anything I could in order to get me to the meeting. I knew that if I had a responsible job to do, that I would show up and I'd be fine. And so I did all of that. And not always. Oh, and the other thing is, the the thing that I think is so important is that everybody needs to figure out what their abstinence is. And um, I knew that I couldn't go on another diet. And so when I prayed about it and asked what did I, what should I do? I knew that I could commit to three meals a day, three moderate meals a day. And um, so I've managed to do that. Sometimes I have a snack in between, sometimes I don't. But it's three moderate meals a day most of the time. And I said I was imperfectly abstinent because I don't do it perfect. I don't have a squeaky clean abstinence. Um, The third step said... uh, made a decision to turn my life and my will over to God as I understood God. 
And, you know, I thought I had surrendered my life. I was positive I had. Um, and so one morning, again, while I'm praying and meditating, I'm clo- I have my eyes closed, and in my mind's eye, I saw a picture of me holding on to Jesus' hand and dragging Jesus through my life. And I thought, and that's not surrender. That's not surrender. So then I said, how do I do this? You know, and the answer I got was listen and do what you're told to do. And I'm, so I would hear on your knees, Anne. And so if I was standing there cooking, I'd get on my knees and I'd pray. I can remember saying, I'm so grateful I didn't hear get on your knees while I was driving on the freeway because I'd have pulled over my car and gotten on my knees. That's how committed I was to getting better. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And um, as time went on, my life just got better and better. Um, So the fourth step said to take a, a moral inventory of myself. And so I did. I sat down and wrote looked over my life and wrote down the areas that I needed to take a look at and do something about. And the fifth step said, admitted to myself, to God, to another human being, the exact nature of my wrongs. And that was the most freeing thing. What I discovered in the writing was that I was affected by a murder and a suicide in my family when I was about five years old. And that my eating problems stem from that. And once I could tell the truth about that, what I knew about it, that seemed to give me some relief. I had an interesting thing with doing the inventory, too, because I had a sponsor, but my sponsor became very ill. She was diagnosed with cancer. And I had taken my inventory to her home because she wanted to take time to read it before she met me because she was too sick to spend a lot of time with me. And I eventually I had to just go get it because I felt like I was carrying this thing on my back. One day I'm at a big Saturday meeting in in, uh, San Jose at Kaiser Hospital. Somebody reminded me of that meeting recently. It was huge. There were like 150 people there always. And I connected with a woman there. And she had a dilemma, too. We found out she had a four-step she'd written and needed to give away. And we decided we'd just go find a quiet place in the park and we'd share our our inventory with each other. And then we went back to her home and we set the thing on fire. So, you know, there's no one way to do any of this. You know, the point I'm trying to make is... You know, and I'm going to jump to the 11th step. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve my conscious contact with God. That's the solution for me. For me, having a conscious contact with God and staying close, having a relationship with God, that's what God wants. God wants us to have a relationship. God wants to have a conversation with us. God cares about everything we do. And God is closer to us than our breath. God resides right here within us, you know. Every you can even stop if you stop and think about it. Put your attention to your feet for just a minute and feel the energy pulsing there. To me that's evidence of God in my body. So God wants a relationship with us and and um you know I share everything with God. I go for walks and I have arguments with him. 
as I'm walking, or I'll tell him exactly what I think, and sometimes I'm sure people walk by and wonder. But, you know, that's part of my process. That's my relationship. I ask for help for everything. God helps me comb my hair. You know, if I'm, I I don't care what it is, I have that. And to me, that's where the solution to life is. The solution to life is in working the steps, having a personal relationship with God and moving forward in ways that, you know, I know that if I didn't find the program when I did, I'd be dead now. About five, let's see, 25 years ago, that was about nine years after I was into the program, I was diagnosed with colon cancer. And, you know, I wouldn't have even noticed the symptoms when I was eating the way I did. I wouldn't have noticed those symptoms, and I wouldn't be here today. Colon cancer is a killer. It's a killer. And I had a couple of friends that were diagnosed about the same time I was, had the same surgery I did, and didn't live but three or four years. So I just feel like um, this program saved my life, you know. It saved my life. So whenever I can, I speak. And I have to share with you, I mean, this is, to me, this is amazing. But I don't, you know, I don't go to meetings anymore. I live the program. Those 12 steps are part of my life, and I live them. And... um, After I'd not been to a meeting for quite a while, I thought, you know, I think I want to speak at a meeting. So I'd say, God, it's time for me to go speak, and I'll be darn within a few days somebody'd call me. Well, when I saw the ad for this convention, I said, okay, God, I haven't spoken at a convention since I spoke in San Diego, which was like 25, 30 years ago. And sure enough, I get a call from Nancy to come in. And I can choose whatever I want to speak on from the list they have. And the minute I saw uh, the um, solution is in the steps, I knew I had to come and share with you the power of working those 12 steps. Um, well, I don't, I think that's it. So I don't... And so it's open now for anybody else that wants to share. Oh, and if you share, you have to come up here and sign this release form. Q&A. Oh, sure, I can do that. I can do that. I've never done that before. Okay, so I just choose one out of here. Choose three. Did you give up any particular food when you adopted a moderate food plan? No, I did not give up anything, but... I didn't keep those things in my house anymore that I used to binge on. But that didn't mean I didn't ever eat them again, because I did, and I still do, you know. It's just that I don't keep it in the house, you know.
ILGBT on outside issue. I, I don't understand what the question is here. I'm sorry. I don't know how to respond to that. Has your abstinence changed during time? You know, that this is, this is, this is a miracle. Because, you know, I never understood when people said to me, this is too rich, I can't eat it. Or this is too sweet. Well, I want to tell you something. I'm that person now. And it's the truth. Some things are too rich and I maybe take a bite and leave it. And anything sugary, is not on my list of things that I like. And that doesn't mean that I don't eat some of those things sometimes, but maybe one bite. I mean, and I can remember the day when I ate the whole thing. You know, in fact, I was remembering, I used to have this package of sweet things and a glass of milk. And when I ran out of the sweet things and I still had milk, then I had to go get some more sweet things. And when the milk ran out, I had to go get more milk. And, you know, I didn't stop until it was all gone. I couldn't do that today. Should I do another one? Or is there somebody you want to share? Which step is your favorite? If you haven't guessed, sought through prayer and meditation to improve my conscious contact with God. You know, it's that's where you get the power. That's where you get the power. Pardon me? How do I pray? Well, I I have a conversation with God about most everything that happens in my life, but I do take time in the morning. I read scripture. I'm I'm a Catholic, so I read the uh, the, the prayers for the Mass for that day, and there's some reflection in there. And then I take and I sit for 20 minutes. I sit erect in a chair, both feet on the floor, and I take a couple of deep breaths, and I close my eyes, and I just pay attention to my breath. And sure, my mind will take off and want to think about something, and I just bring my mind back to my breath. And I do that for about 20 minutes, and I do that twice a day, morning and afternoon. And that's a blank one. <laughs> Let's see. In, in May, I got my third-year chip from AA. Oh, 31 years. Wow. I got my 31-year chip from AA, my abstinence. No sugar, no alcohol, no chips. Wednesday night, I ate sweets and chips. Thursday, driving chips. Friday, abstinence. Why? You know, I have no idea. I have no idea. I just know when we make up our mind to eat something, nothing gets in the way. It's like um, a force that takes over, you know. And, and I still experience that once in a while, but that's when my abstinence is imperfect. I mean, I, I can't even call it a binge because it's not that. But it's not, how can I say this? 
It's just that I make up my mind and I'm going to go eat that thing. And I really don't want to, but I can't seem to not do it. I, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. I just know that it doesn't have to get the best of us. You know, that's when, I, when it was really bad. You know, when I first came into the program, and that urge was so strong, I'd get on the phone, call somebody. I'd go write in my journal. I memorized the 12 steps. I memorized the third step prayer. I memorized lots of things to overcome that feeling, that strong urge to go. It's like, it's like when you take that first bite, it, your I don't care button goes off. You know, it's weird. I'm just grateful that that doesn't happen to me in the same way. You know, I ate so much every night I'd fall asleep on the couch and would not even take my makeup off. And in those days, I wore it all. The face makeup, the eye, you know, the eyeshadow, all of that. And I'd, I'd fall asleep on the couch. I'd wake up in the middle of the night. I'd drop into bed. My pillow was always full of makeup. Do you know, today... For 34 years, I have not fallen asleep on the couch and gone to bed with my makeup on. Um, how, how, does your food plan ch- how did your food plan change over the years? How do you maintain your weight? Well, I eat three moderate meals a day. If I blow it, I don't start over. I just get back on track again. I will not... I will not succumb to eating so much that I put the weight back on again. My weight has fluctuated maybe five pounds in 34 years. Whereas before that, like I said, I put on and took off at least 1,000. My highest recorded weight, I was 4 feet 11 inches tall and weighed 186 pounds. I weigh 126 today. Um, it takes determination. It takes working the program. It takes doing those steps. It takes making phone calls, reading the literature, writing. Writing has blossomed for me. I ended up writing a whole, eventually, I got so into writing that I've written 55 essays about my family and myself and that I hope to have published for my kids in the near future. I'm not done writing. But writing really helped me. I can remember screaming on the paper, you know. I mean, I was determined. I'd had it. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I wanted a life. And... By the grace of God and working those steps and having a sponsor and being able to come in these rooms and share with all of you, it turned my life around. And I'm ever so grateful. And we're out of Q&As, so I'm wondering if anybody wants to share. (laughs) That's my baby sister over there. I'm 82 years old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm babysitting my sister. She's 15 years younger than I am. She's the youngest in the family. I'm the oldest. Yeah. I don't recommend it. You see, when that's what happened to me. See, I could diet. I could eat very little. And then it boomerangs. 
all of a sudden something happens and you just eat everything in sight. You know, I don't recommend fasting. I do recommend, under the doctor's care, a cleansing diet. That's a different. That's totally different. You know, I after I had the colon surgery, I had blockages. One right at, I was in the hospital at least 10 times with a blockage. And finally, they did a number of tests, and they could find nothing wrong. They even operated again and took some scar tissue out. Well, I just want to tell you, that's not the way to do it, because scar tissue forms from having you open up in the first place. And so they opened me up again and took out another piece of my colon. I was under the care of a chiropractor, and I told her what was happening, and she said, Anne, I've got the solution, and she put me on a cleansing diet. And... um I drank a protein drink. Now, this was a long time ago, so I, I have to think about it. See, see the, I've been, I've been cancer-free for 25 years. So this happened about, yeah. This happened, I was into about, it was about three years after the original surgery, and I was, you know, having these blockages. And so she put me on this protein drink, and she had me eat, take me off of anything I could be allergic to. So, um, and good protein, white chicken breasts and, you know, lean, I don't think I ate any beef. It was chicken and fish, vegetables, and limited on the fruit because you can be allergic to some of the fruit. And eventually she worked me up to drinking three of these protein drinks a day. I was on this diet for about three months, this cleansing diet for about three months. I never got another blockage. So cleansing diets work, okay? But you need to work with somebody that knows what they're doing. Yes? Did I understand you to say that you are booklet eating for That's right. Could you talk about that? Well, well, hey, listen. I work the program. I know I'm a compulsive overeater. I know I'm powerless. I know that I need God in my life. And so I practice the, you know, I practice the the 11th step. Um, And um, what happened, see, I've had a whole, I've had so many lives, it isn't even funny. I can remember standing up in an Al-Anon meeting saying, is this all there is to my life, is going to meetings and out to lunch? Because I was going to Al-Anon, I was going to OA, you know. I was at a meeting practically every day of the week, you know. And um, I met a woman in OA who loved my philosophy and spiritual philosophy, and she invited me to her church. At the time, it was called the Center for Spiritual Awareness. It was in Los Gatos at the Spring Chapel. I went there, and in those days, that was in 1985, in those days, we, it was a small chapel, and we would stand and make a circle and say the Lord's Prayer, and I thought, oh my God, I'd found a home. I had been looking for a church home and couldn't find any place that I was comfortable with. That's a whole nother story. But, but I knew I'd found a home. And at that time, the Center for Spiritual Awareness was an uh, interfaith center. And so I'd been sponsoring lots of women in OA, and I spoke to the minister and said, hey, do you have a lay minister's program here? I'd like to help. I told her about what I did in OA. She said, Anne, I know you well enough 
that you should be a minister. And I said, look, you don't understand. I don't want to go to school. She said, you don't understand. At this time, we don't have one. But you will get an education firsthand. You just have to follow me around, do what I ask you to do. And at the time, the director of the Center for Spiritual Awareness was Roy Eugene Davis. So I studied with him. He has a retreat center in the uh, mountains in Georgia. And three years in a row, I went there and did his teacher training. And eventually, I was ordained. So for 20 years, I was a minister in that tradition. I did sermons. I did counseling. I, my husband and I developed a communication workshop. We'd, we'd had training for a communication workshop. We then started doing these workshops. We've had, we had about 700 couples go through our program. And the very first program that we did, we started a support group. That support group is going strong. The reason I stopped going to meetings is because I had a life, a very full life, but I also had a very rich spiritual life. And I knew as long as I stayed close to God that I'd be okay. And so I lived the program. You know, if, if I do something that goes against my conscience, I make amends for it right away. I don't let anything fester inside of me. Um, if I'm being challenged in any way, I call somebody and talk to them, or I write about it. Um, so I work the program. I don't come to meetings because I, I didn't have the time. Now I'm retired, and I'm just as busy. I don't know how the heck. And, you know, here's another story. <laughs> God, how God works in our lives. You know, I was born a Roman Catholic, and I love that tradition. I had, you know, I hear people say all the time, I'm a recovering Catholic. Well, I never felt that way. But when I married the first time, I knew the man I was marrying didn't know one thing about Catholicism, and all I wanted was for him to love God. I wanted him to help together to find a church that we could go to and be active in. And we did that. He became a, a Sunday school teacher. I was a deacon. I helped form a library and was in a Presbyterian church. Okay, so that husband passed away. I was 33 years old. I had a 10-year-old, a 13-year-old, a 15-year-old. And for six years, I was single. And then I married a second time. And, you know, I forgot when I wrote up what I wanted in a husband, I forgot to write down that he not have any small children. Well, he had five. They weren't all small, but some of them were. Anyway, it was because of those kids and my being in that step family situation that got me to my knees. Got me to my knees. We will be married 40 years next year. So that it worked. This program helped me get through it. This program helped me be the, you know, I can remember apologizing to my, my stepdaughter because when she was 10, I acted like I was 10. When she was 13, I acted like I was 13. And when she was 21, and I stayed out of her way. You know, when I got into the program, I thought, no, I'm going to a meeting. You spend time with your daughter because I can't behave around her. And, um... I said, Heidi, I am so sorry. I was such such a mess. She said, what are you talking about? <laughs> she didn't even, she never, 
I don't know. She must have been unconscious because I wasn't very nice. You know, I was always vying for his attention and sitting between her and him, you know, just doing dumb things. So Bob was raised a Roman Catholic. And we decided at one point that it would be nice to go back to the Catholic Church when I retired from the center. And, you know, I tell people I got to be a minister because God knew I couldn't be a priest. (laughs) Right? So um, we did some investigating, and lo and behold, Bob and I are both active in the church, and in fact, he's in the process of arranging for us to be able to have our marriage blessed in the Catholic Church, and we're praying to be able to do that on our 40th wedding anniversary, July 2nd, next year. We'll be married 39 years this year. Yes. How many how many sponsees do I have now? I don't have any. I ha- no. Listen, I have I today I saw one, two, three, four, five people that I haven't seen in a long time. Any one of them I could call if I needed to. I'm not sponsoring anyone. Oh, yes, I have a group of people that I stay in contact with. I'm the person that makes sure that we stay connected. You know, not everybody can get on the phone and say, let's have lunch. I don't know why, but I'm the one that does that. Or I invite people over for dinner. So I work with people one-on-one in that way, in that way. Okay. Anybody else? Yes. Yes. Come here and could you need to talk? Yeah, you need to talk into this and then you need to sign this. Oh, okay. Okay. You can share first and okay. then you can sign. Okay. My name is Gina. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Hi everybody. Uh, Oh, oh, okay. Um, thank you so much, oh, Anne, for sharing. Uh, I'm in awe of your recovery. Uh, and and what you've yeah what you've been able to uh, accomplish and um, you know without going to meetings and uh, developing your own spirituality I, I you know I couldn't do that on my own but you could and I I really honor that and I am very grateful to hear you share um, what I wanted to say was that in uh, the big book and Dr Bob's opinion he talks about. Um, different kinds of alcoholics, and one is the moderate drinker who is able to stop on his own and um, doesn't have that strong addiction. And he talks about uh, people who drink more than just um, uh, a moderate amount, who are heavy drinkers and still are able to stop. But then there's that 2%, no, it's maybe 10%, 10% of drinkers who can't. And I'm one of those 10%. I cannot do this uh, this without a program. I simply cannot. I'm not able to control my eating. I'm not able to manage my eating. I'm not able to eat three moderate meals because this head tells me something different from what moderate is. I, uh, I have tried. I've been in OA for 30 years. I came into OA at 210 pounds, and I got up to 254 pounds in the 30 years I was in OA, trying to do it on my own because, darn it, I was not going to give up, you know, flour and sugar. 
uh, sugar I was willing to give up because I knew I could not manage sugar. But I was not going to give up flour because I knew I could do it. And for 30 years, I tried to do it my way, and I failed and failed and failed. I simply could not. So for someone to be able to eat flour, uh, you know... (laughs) I'm in awe. I really, I'm impressed, but I, that's not me. That, and that's why I'm here. If I were able to do that, I wouldn't bother coming to a meeting. I wouldn't need it. But I desperately need it. I desperately need not only, not only the program, I need, I need a, um, I need a food plan. I have to have a food plan and I have to follow it. And so for the past year, I've been following a food plan, and it includes no flour. And that's anything that even looks like flour. It doesn't have to be wheat. It can be rice. It can be corn. Anything that looks like flour to me is a trigger because I know what I do with anything that looks like flour. I can't play around with that. I simply can't. Uh, sugar is out of, the, out of the equation because that's like heroin to me. So for, for one year... And it's one year yesterday that I've been following a food plan, and I've... Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I've lost um, 84 pounds. Oh, darn. Okay. All right. Sign this, honey. Sign this. Jean, you know, thank you for sharing, because you see... The importance of having a personal relationship with God is to know what it is you need to do for yourself. We're all different. Not everybody can do what I'm doing or what I've done for 34 years. So you need to follow your own inner guidance, whether you call it your higher power, just your conscience. You know, ask yourself what it is that's going to work for you. And it needs to be the kind of plan that you can do for the rest of your life. It has to be what you can do for the rest of your life. So thank you, Jean. I, I'm very grateful that you found what works for you. Yeah. What time's the next marathon? Oh, no, that's the opening ceremony. I'll make it quick. And I'll sign that when I'm done. Um, are you timing me? Because I think I don't have anything to say, and then somehow I just keep going and going. Um, my name is Mary H., and I'm a um, compulsive overeater. And thank you so much. And I appreciate... I came in here because I know that the steps are the solution, and that is, for me, has been a big change. And when I first came into the rooms, I was very slow to accept what was going on, and I wasn't sure about all this stuff. And then just about, not to go into my whole story, but about a year ago, I found a... um, kept hearing more and more about the big book, going back to the big book and the basics, and Um, I had been kind of slipping and sliding and I couldn't keep my abstinence very long until I, uh, found a telephone meeting that was really helpful because they really focused on the, um, instructions in the big book and, and learning what an allergy is and the mental obsession and the, the real alcoholic like you were referring to and, um, that I... Well, I'm just sharing that because all of a sudden I'm really nervous. Darn it! <laughs> um, 
for me, reading that big book and um, that those explicit instructions really clicked and made sense. And I had to find some people that showed me how to translate it um, for a compulsive overeater because I I just kept reading alcohol and I don't have a problem with alcohol, and and so I felt like it didn't apply. And um, but when I was taught how to see it through the eyes of a you know that. Did I drink or do I eat like Bill drank? Do I feel like how Bill felt and how do I did I act like how Bill acted? I would say yes because I was uh, a mess and I was I got one minute. And um so for about a year now I've I've experienced a life without the obsession for food and I am just it's amazing and it's it and it's all it's a it's all because of my relationship with my higher power, mm-hmm. and it's not me doing it at all. Believe me, I would eat cookies and cake and ice cream. You know, I'm a high-fat sugar and flour person. You put those that combination together, mm-hmm. and it is my heroine. And um, so that has been lifted, and it's because I've worked those those steps through the big book very precisely, and um, I have been unblocked. And I'm able to use this higher power to help me. It, it, it has restored my sanity, like we say in step two. I, I, now I am sane. When I see a box of cookies, and I'll wrap up, you know, I just, it's just not my food. Mm-hmm. It's just not even a, an issue anymore. So, okay. You know, sign this, honey. Mary, thank you for sharing that. You know, when I came into the program, that's, all, that's what we had was the big book. It, that's the other thing I did. I read it from cover to cover. And so this program works. This program works. So thank you, all of you. You just had to sign down here. For this one. See, this oh, is where all. I was the speaker. <laughs>